Welcome to Thrive Radio, expert visionary and innovative business, life, and relationship advice to live a life of doing the impossible with your host, Amy Montgomery. Montgomery Entrepreneur and Digital Marketing Agency owner. Today, my guest is Dr. Rebecca Leslie. She's a founder of Best Within You Therapy and Wellness, an organization of psychologists specializing in eating concerns, body image, anxiety, depression, and helping you feel well. Dr. Rebecca, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. Yes, definitely. Can you share your journey with us and why you established the organization that you did? Yeah, absolutely. I'm a licensed psychologist and I've always wanted to be a psychologist, but I've also always wanted to have a group practice, ideally really trying to create a holistic wellness space and working towards that goal. And in November, I was working at two private practices and a medical center. And I essentially just quit them all and took the huge leap of faith to start my own practice. And So I started in November and now it's myself and three other psychologists. So we've grown pretty quickly and I'm just, I'm so excited that I'm able to not only be a small business owner and use that part of my brain, which I'm really passionate about, but I'm also able to fulfill my passion being a psychologist and seeing patients specializing in emotional eating and binge eating. So in walking through your journey and going through this transition and everything that you've gone through before you arrive to where you are today. What are you grateful for? Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be the classic cheesy answer, but it genuinely is true is the support system that I have with my friends and family. I can't tell you how many times I have relied on people in my life, calling them, just getting support and making decisions. They've really been my biggest cheerleaders. And I just don't know what I would do without that support. Sometimes I feel like we doubt ourselves and we need people in our corner who are like, you got this because it's hard taking a big leap of faith and doing something that you've wanted to always do. And so just really grateful to have amazing people by my side to support me. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely, I think being, having your own thing and being an entrepreneur definitely tests everything inside of you. (laughs) It really does. It It, really does. Absolutely. It's you're your own boss. You make your schedule, you call the shots. Yeah. And if you're not making money, guess what's whose fault? (laughs) Uh It's all on you. Yeah. Which can lead to working a little too long and a little too hard, which is currently my thing that I'm really trying to manage better. Yeah. You and me both. I do the same thing, but yeah, it does. I think it's, yeah, that constant just managing being aware and managing it and constantly reminding yourself, like you do need to rest. (laughs) People who have salaries and jobs, they just have it so much easier because it's, you you have a salary coming, you get paid, you get that number, no matter how many hours you work really. Yeah. But for us, it's different. It's like our out the energy we put out, it has a, a, a tangible impact. So it's hard to stop sometimes. Yeah, definitely. So what are some ways to make better choices if you deal with emotional eating or stress eating? Yeah. So shifting to the psychology part of my brain, as I mentioned, this is something I'm really passionate about. And it's a long answer, but the short answer to that question is 
really trying to figure out what it is you're actually needing when you turn to food. So if you're emotional eating or stress eating and you go and grab, say, a bag of chips or you go grab a carton of ice cream or whatever that food is, you're not actually meeting your need. What you're doing is you're stuffing down whatever that that need is there. And so it's so important and also so difficult to pause and just check in and go, what's going on right now? What am I feeling? What am I thinking? What am I actually needing? Because when you're able to create that space, you can then give yourself what it is you're needing, which feels so much better. Because when we turn to food, if we're not actually really hungry, it's if we had 15 problems, now we emotionally ate, now we've got 16 because we're upset that we emotionally ate and none of the 15 problems have been solved. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I, in the past, in my past, whenever I have had to lose a decent size amount of of weight, like I'm not somebody that has struggled with my weight. I've always been pretty thin, but when I have, I, you always, all the emotions come up with every pound, like everything that you stuffed. Yeah. Like suddenly you deal with it. Yeah. And there's a part of it too, that when we're, when we're restricting what we're eating, it can create such a higher drive to emotional eat. Cause we're feeling maybe deprived, like we're not getting what we want and there can be a screw it. I'm just going to eat whatever I want. That tends for a lot of people to happen towards the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah. So easy to do. So how do you know if you have an eating disorder? Yeah, so that's a, so really good questions. My answer for this would be to know if you have an eating disorder, you really would need a diagnosis by a professional's license to be able to give you that diagnosis, like a mental health professional. I compare it to, I just like comparing psychological problems to medical problems in general, because I think it helps reduce the stigma because there was a lot less stigma if I were to say a sinus infection or broken arms. I'll use the analogy though of a sinus infection. So let's say you've had a sinus infection before, you know what it is. You Google online, you go, oh, I think I have a sinus infection. But to figure out if you actually do, you've got to go to that doctor and get that diagnosis. And then you can get treatment which whatever that treatment is going to be. So similar with an eating disorder, you might have a hunch you have one, you can look online and try to figure it out, but you really want to go to a licensed professional to be able to give you that diagnosis who can then also give you that treatment. So what is a normal relationship with food? Yeah, so for a normal relationship with food, I'll actually start with saying a normal in in terms of what is your normal. If you look at your own relationship with food, and let's say you used to have what felt like a really good, healthy relationship with food, and something has shifted, you could go, okay, this is not normal. Is What is normal for me? But I really actually think in terms of what, what is normal, there isn't a normal. Every relationship with food can be different, and that's actually okay. And It can also shift over time. I think there's going to be times in your life where maybe let's say you value making home cooked meals and you might not be able to do that because you have other pressing things going on. It's just about what feels best for you. Like I'm sitting here thinking, and I just don't think there is a quote normal. There are differences with, with different cultures, age, socioeconomic status. 
I actually would, I would change normal to like healthy relationship with food. So meaning eating in a way that makes you feel best, eating in a way that feels like a fit for you, trying not to let thoughts about food get in the way of living your life. So I would shift normal to be like, what's a healthy relationship with food? Cause there, there just isn't really a normal. Yeah. I think you said something that was key. What makes you feel good? Because I think that when we start to get really in tune to what is what makes us feel good and what ma- what makes us not feel good, then we can create that definition of, yeah, that healthy relationship that you have with it because nobody wants to feel bad. It's in, instead of it being, oh, that food is bad. It's, it just doesn't make me feel good. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and absolutely. And that's one of my biggest problems with the diet culture is it's somebody who doesn't know you, doesn't know your preferences, doesn't know your body going here, keto, this is what you should eat. But how does that, does that work for you? Does that work for your lifestyle? How does that make you feel? And so it really is about what is best for my individual needs, my individual goals, my values, my body. And again, that can shift with age, that can shift with time, that can shift depending on how busy you are, what your priorities are. And that's okay. What can you do if you have an eating disorder? Maybe you've been diagnosed, but you're not sure how to change it. Maybe, you know, you've not really been given solutions to, to change. Yeah. If you know that you have an eating disorder, the best thing you can do is in my opinion, and I'm biased here (laughs) because I'm a psychologist, but really, I truly believe the best thing you can do is go to a therapist, go to a therapist also that specializes in eating disorders. So again, I'll use medical because it's easier sometimes just to think about it with medical concerns. Let's say you had a mole that you might need to be removed. You didn't know if it was cancerous. Primary care physician might be able to help, but they're probably going to refer you to a dermatologist who specializes in that. So if you struggle with an eating disorder, you really want to make sure whoever you go to is somebody that specializes in eating disorders. Not every therapist, just because they're a therapist, works with eating disorders. So really give them a call, ask them questions, ask them, have they seen people with eating disorders? What's their training with eating disorders? What's their experience? Are they licensed to work with people with eating disorders? So that would absolutely be my biggest recommendation because we just know from research studies that therapy is incredibly effective in treating eating disorders. So we've talked a little bit about wellness and Mm -hmm. focusing on wellness, but what does wellness look like? Because I think sometimes we see out there, especially like on social media, you'll see fitness models, you'll see people that are doing bodybuilding, you'll see all these different varieties of what is labeled quote unquote wellness. And I'm just wondering if you can provide maybe a better definition that people can focus on. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to hear a theme in my responses, which is it's individualized. Again, this is something that people like to tell us what wellness is. Wellness looks like being at a certain weight or doing these certain behaviors. So if you even just think of what wellness, just the word wellness is, if we're going to look at the basic definition, wellness is defined as quality or state of being in good health especially it's an, if it's an actively sought goal. So if we even think of that definition, like what does good health mean for you? Does good health mean the same thing for everyone? No, not necessarily. So 
I think it's really about what are your goals? What are your values? What makes you individually feel your best? What goals do you have for your health? I would also say there are some main things that I think can be important universally, like, for example, sleep, moving your body, like drinking enough water, managing stress level. But I think also expanding wellness to look at mental wellness, emotional wellness, physical wellness. There's a lot of different components to it. So it's also, it's an individualized answer, but it's not a simple yeah. answer. I like that a lot, especially because when it comes to things like overeating, emotional eating and all that kind of stuff, like you said, so many times it's connected to your mental health, your well-being, the things you're going through in your life. And you might just be going through a season or you might, or massive life changes. And of course, when you go through something like that, you're going to run to whatever you can find that's comforting. And I think sometimes we get so hard on ourselves especially like during the pandemic, a lot of people have gained weight. We've been in many cases forced to stay at home, forced to stay out of gyms and change our entire routines. And so of course that's going to happen. But how many of, I don't know if you've seen a lot, but I have of just people feeling bad about themselves and and it's, wait a minute, take a step back and everyone's going through the same thing. (laughs) Plus you really had access to, really exercise and take care of yourself, or that's what you do for a living. Typically you had some struggle there. Yeah. Yeah. And too, I think we get these ideas of, okay, gaining weight is bad. Losing weight is good. That's what TikTok and Instagram pushed on us. But if you think about it, let's say somebody had an eating disorder and they were struggling with anorexia as an example, and they lost a lot of weight. Health would look like gaining weight which is something that is, oh, that that's so bad. So it's just, it's so individualized. What is healthy for you? What is wellness for you? What is best for your body? Maybe you had, or you had a, a newborn and you used to go to the gym all the time and you were incredibly active. And so if you kept doing those quote, quote, healthy things, that probably wouldn't be good for your body. You probably would be you know, I don't think doctors even clear you for that right after a baby. So it's just so individualized. Yeah. So I would say the big thing is be careful who you follow on social media, <laughs> yeah, who you're like, listening cool. to. <laughs> be careful. And you can look at it as, okay, got it noted, hear that. But how does that make me feel? Is this making me feel more positive about myself and my body? Or am I looking at this and feeling more negative about myself? Yeah, that's really good. So can you share some of your client success stories? Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of the most amazing parts of my job is to be able to see people's journeys and see those success stories. Yeah, gosh, I have so many. So just trying to call some to mind. So one that comes to mind is I've worked with women who have come to see me trying every diet in the book. I really, you name it, they tried it. Truly also hating their body, feeling like they were not worthy because of their weight and really just coming to see me, which is such hate, binge eating, years of yo-yo dieting, lose the weight, gain the weight back. And through our work together, I've been able to see women to go from really appreciating their body, stopping binge eating, also reducing stress and anxiety. I've actually, interestingly enough, had 
really a pleasure of working with a good amount of healthcare professionals. And some of the coolest kind of success stories that are coming to mind are people who've even taken their journey and had it make an impact on other people's lives or some people who've gone on to take an advocacy role. So making just really amazing changes in their job, not telling patients based on BMI that they just need to go try keto as an example. And I feel like I'm getting, <laughs> giving keto a lot of <laughs> eating on keto today, you, whatever the diet is, intermittent fasting, Jenny Craig, wait, you name it just based on, okay, I'm going to see a BMI number before they even get to know the patient go, Oh, have you tried X diet? So it, it's been just beautiful. I think that's the right word of seeing somebody be able to change their own relationship with food, feel more confident in their body and then make an impact. And binge, just binge eating and emotional eating is so distressing. And I've seen so many people who've come to see me spending so much of their energy thinking about food, worrying about food. And it's been incredible to see who they can be and what they can become when all of that energy is freed up and they have all of that space now to, to use to towards something else. Those pieces have been really amazing. I also just work with a lot of clients with anxiety, depression, and seeing how they've not, how they've moved towards not letting the anxiety and depression get in the way of their life. So I could go on and on. I love my job. (laughs) I'll spare you all the story. (laughs) No, it's great. It's always really neat to hear the impacts that, you know, and the changes that people are going through because it gives you your own hope and everyone has their own story so they can think of those circumstances and what it means to them. So I think that's great. What do you think has been your truth that has gotten you this far in your journey? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, So I would say for me, it's been really knowing my own values and what makes me feel my best and happiest. So as I said a little bit in the beginning, I've been able, able to use the psychologist side of my brain in working with patients. And I've also been able to combine that with the business entrepreneur side of my brain. And I've really been able to recognize, which is what also led me in this path to to do what I'm doing today with my career, is that I love being a psychologist and I love being a small business owner and an entrepreneur and creating a company and having a vision and being able to recognize that I have these two passions has been incredibly helpful because I've been able to honor that and do that. And in my graduate program, we're trained as psychologists. We're not trained to be entrepreneurs or business owners, or I've had to learn so much along the way of things like hiring, interviewing, HR, payroll, accounting, none of the things I learned in my graduate program. But I would really say my truth is just finding what is my value and going for it and knowing that even though I went down a career path just to be a psychologist, that, that doesn't have to limit me. I can do other things with my degree. Yeah, that's really good. So one more question for you. If you were able to give yourself one piece of advice when you first started out, what would it be? Yeah. So I think my advice would be to myself, if I could go back, would be to have more faith in myself. I really tend to be someone who looks at where can I improve? What else can I be doing? And I believe this view has led to me honestly focusing more on my growth edges than my strengths. 
And when I made the leap to start my own practice, I was so nervous and I didn't know if I could do it. Really questioning, right, is, right, am I even going to keep up my own caseload? And now I'm at a practice of myself and three others. It's been, gosh, like five months, I think. And I just really can't believe that since the end of November, that's where I am now. Actually, you know what? I'm going to scratch that and say, I can believe that this is where I am now because I'm working on having more faith in myself as I'm saying this out loud to you. So Mm -hmm. it's a process, but I'm working on it and I'm really working on believing in myself more, having more faith in, in myself more. And so that's something I wish I said to myself in the beginning. And I think it's also something I'm going to continue saying to myself throughout this journey. Yeah. I I think it's so important. I'm alongside similar in the sense that I started my eight, my digital marketing agency, what in August of last year, and I'm, I'm at a full-time income, which I'm extremely proud of myself for getting that far. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I mentioned before the podcast, I'm pretty, pretty much at capacity, maybe take one or two more people, but you do, you second, it's easy to second guess yourself. And you're like, because what do you, because I think there's a lot of messages out there about how hard it is to build your own business. And then sometimes we make it too hard. We make it more difficult than it needs to be. And, uh, and then the other thing is it's that consistency of clients and that sometimes it just, once you reach the place where there's a flow of clients coming in, it's great. But before you get to that, there is a lot of unknown and uncertainty. So yeah. it's just dealing with that unknown and the uncertainty. And every time it's funny, I've had more talks with entrepreneurs where we talk about how we're so sure, like everyone reaches the point of freaking out that they're not sure they're going to be able to pay their rent or whatever it may be. And whenever you take a timeout, and go for a walk and just release it. Cause you've done everything you could possibly do. You've done all the work and just trust that it's going to work out. It always does. Yeah. It's such a leap of faith. It, you're getting, you get rid of a security of for, I think for a lot of people, you get rid of a security of just a traditional job that has a salary or health insurance or oh yeah all the things that come with it and for so many of us you take that leap to just follow your dreams and your passions and it's scary and it's this what ifs of what if I fail what if I invest all of this in what I've always wanted to do and what if I fail and then what and that is just terrifying but it's yeah it's looking at the other side of it and it's what if I succeed yeah. Yeah. Because you do fail forward. Definitely. I've definitely had my say. I've had my share of failures and thought, Oh, there's just no way I'm going to be able to do this to the point where it was like, I got stuck in the, just a mindset of just being really depressed for a long time. But until I chose to get out of that, out of my limiting beliefs, like I had these beliefs that there's just no, 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 nothing I tried was going to work at that yeah. point. And when I got out of, stepped out of that and said, wait a minute, it's not, I haven't tried everything and I just need to go back and try again. And that's when I finally succeeded. Absolutely. So sometimes, you know, it, it, sometimes it's worth just saying, okay, let's just try it one more time from a different angle. Uh, yeah, it's not giving up. And if you're passionate about something that in, that tends to lead to it being successful, because I think other people can see that and you want, you want to invest 
that time. And your comment too about social media, I think a thing too that I know personally I've struggled with is seeing the other side of it where people are like, oh, I built my business in two months and now I have a six-figure income. And, and oh, yeah, you see a lot of that. Really? <laughs> and it's usually the younger generation and they've got a course they're selling. <laughs> yeah. How to how to get a six-figure month in for blogging. And you sit there, you're like, what am I doing? And you start questioning yourself. So it's just, you have to have so much faith. I think it's faith and trust in yourself. And I want to do this. This is what's going to make me happy. I'm passionate about this. And yeah, I think we all probably, I'm with like the marketing pieces. Someone asked me once, what is your marketing strategy? I laughed and I said, my marketing strategy is I just throw stuff at the wall and see what sticks. That's my strategy. (laughs) It's funny because that, that is actually a category that some people get stuck in Yeah, that, that I do with my marketing strategy. When I bring people through it, I said, okay, there's three things that happen. It's either you throw spaghetti at the wall because you don't know what's working and you just try and see what sticks or you, or you try, you have one thing that worked and it worked great, but then now you don't have a, don't really know how to expand or you tried one thing, it worked once and now you don't know what to do. So people get caught in those three little buckets. Yeah. And yeah, so I help, I, when I do my, my marketing plans for people, I actually coach them through that process to get them unstuck because mm-hmm. it happens to all of us. And I take myself through the exact same process. Yeah. Maybe you'll need to help me with coaching. I feel like sometimes I'm like, this might be helpful to have someone along the way. Luckily so far, some things have had to stick. Um, It's worked out, but I always go back to, it's just funny. I don't really know, like I'm a psychologist. (laughs) What am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I talked to a lot of coaches and consultants where all of a sudden they feel like now they've got to learn digital marketing. And I'm like, how, you know, yet here I am with years of experience, former CMO, and I still take courses and training consistently because everything changes every five seconds. And so I'm like, how can anyone do, there's no way I could do two. And so I, I don't know how people even think that they could possibly nail it for a long term. I definitely understand when you're starting out, because when you're starting out, guess what? You're the only person that can do it. You don't have a budget. There's yeah. no, like you have to do something, but yeah. So there's that. And uh, I think it's, I think the big thing when you're throwing spaghetti at the wall is just making sure that you're tracking to see what is actually working. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't track and you just are keep trying to do all these different things, you're not going to know why it's not working. Mm-hmm. You're not going to know what is working. And sometimes you'll be shocked of, oh, I I was putting more traffic to my website and I didn't think it was working, but it is. So it's just all of those little things. I, and I had one gentleman that came to me, he's like, I bought a, he bought a course, which this is so way too expensive to buy a course for, but he spent $10,000 to learn how to do YouTube ad, YouTube lead generation. And uh, people had told him the wrong way to do it. Oh no. Basically they told him that all he had to do was do this video and that he would get people that would book a call with him and would buy right away. And that doesn't happen in any ad, (laughs) in any scenario, you might get somebody to be able to book a call with you, but that's about it. 
So you have to nurture those relationships. And again, it comes down to psychology and it's just so simple things sometimes of just understanding that you've got to build relationships with people, no matter where you meet them. Yeah. No, no matter how they come, they find your business, if it's social media, if it's an ad, or if you are just organically reaching out to people, you have to look at the internet as a gigantic networking meeting. And you would definitely not walk up to somebody and say, Hey, buy my thing now. And you just can't do that online. There's got to be a, a relationship building process. So I think that's probably one of the number one things that people, why things are failing when I'm talking to somebody and they're like, it's not working. It's because, and I always liken it to not to go on a tangent, but I always liken it to walking up to somebody in the mall and touching their face. You wouldn't do that. And yet people do that every day with Facebook ads when they're trying to get people just to just buy from them now. Yeah. Or like those cold emails. I got a couple of say, it was like, hi, I can fix your website. And it's like, I don't know who you are. Yeah. I get those too. And I'm like, wait, I built my site. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with it? Yeah. And like, you just like totally insulted me because yeah. I have an agency here. So right. yeah, the cold emails. Yeah, yeah. I almost started to do cold emails when I first started my agency and it took too long. And then I decided... I'm just going to build relationships and yeah. that has that, that yeah. panned out faster. Oh, but- yeah. I so agree with relationships. I think so, what's been, one of the things that's been helpful for me is even it's just come out like a true need needing to find, for example, like a primary care physician who was not going to fat shame someone, not genuinely, not as me marketing, as me needing to find it from for my patients and then forming that relationship. And then it becomes like a mutual referral source. So I think there's a piece of that genuineness and like, how can, you know, how can you also support other people's businesses and how can people support your business and, and have those relationships? Cause I think everyone, no matter what their business is, has other people that they're going to need to refer out to because somebody's going to ask them, Hey, do you know X person? And knowing those people is just so beneficial. And I think that can help in forming Oh yeah. 100%. And I think even prior pandemic, that's what most people did, but they focused on networking groups, which we know there's not as many of those anymore. Things are still online. So it's really just translating that into how can you connect with people online and build those relationships that way. Mm -hmm. And there's so many ways to do it and you don't have to send salesy messages. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I so stay, I stay very far away from that. It just, that doesn't feel comfortable. No, definitely not. Everyone, it just feels icky. Nobody likes it. Yeah. (laughs) Whenever I get a marker that does that to me, I just, maybe you should listen to this one podcast I did on how I built my agency and I never sent any sales messages like this. Yeah. Buy my product. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I should coach you. Oh, there you go. That could be your next way to get clients responding. Yeah, I actually have a course. Yeah, I actually do. It's funny. I have gotten other digital marketers that have asked me, will you mentor me? Will you help me? But yeah, it's funny. Rebecca, if there are people that are listening that would love to work with you, what's the best way to contact you? Sure. So I would say the best way would be on my website. So it's just bestwithinyou.com. And there's a form there that you can reach out if you have a question or want to set up an appointment. We do like 10, 15 minute free consultations if it's with myself or one of the other amazing psychologists that are on my team. 
Perfect. I'll put all those links down below. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your expertise. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yes, definitely. And if you're listening, you want more information about this podcast and upcoming shows, you can visit a call to thrive.com.